Hello, this is Carl Reiner on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zimrak. Thank you for joining us for episode 255 of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zimrak, and this is the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, a comedic legend is joining us. Carl Reiner is here, and it is going to be so great to talk with Carl and find out what's going on in his life and what he's got going on, and uh, I hope you're going to be sticking around for that because that is going to be one crazy interview. So stick around for that. And uh, I also want to remind you that um, if you are on Facebook, be sure to like us, and if you have a request for a guest that you would like to hear here on Screen and Beyond, please email it to us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. We'd appreciate it, and we'll see what we can do about getting that person on for you. And on a sad note, uh, last week, of course, we had Valerie Harper on the show. And uh, if you listen to the interview, she actually says that she was awaiting some medical results. And unfortunately, of course, you may have heard by now that uh, she has been diagnosed with a very rare brain cancer, and doctors have given her three months to live, and I hope you know i hope they're wrong uh, uh i hope that she has the ability to uh, overcome this cancer like she did her previous cancer and our prayers are out there for her so i hope you'll all join us in for that to uh, wish her well and uh well what do you say on that note let's move right along and find out what's coming away as far as remakes that hollywood has coming our way next remake madness right here on on screen and beyond Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness. Well, a remake of Flatliners, which originally starred Kevin Bacon, is in the works. And we had an interview in our past episodes of On Screen and Beyond with the producer of the original Flatliners. So you might want to check that out in our On Screen and Beyond rerun section. And Megan Fox will be in the cast of Michael Bay's remake of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And the remake, or reboot, whatever you want to call it, of uh, Tomb Raider is moving along and will focus on a younger Laura Croft. That is it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we take a peek at what's coming away as far as upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies, American Horror Stories' Dylan McDermott and The Walking Dead's Chandler Riggs will star in Mercy in 2014. And Now, this is a Stephen King story. It's a short story that he wrote, and it's being adapted into a movie about a single mom and her two boys who help take care of their grandmother with mystical powers. And look for Jessica Lange, Elizabeth Olsen, and Tom Felton to star in Therese, and it's about lovers who kill the woman's husband and when his ghost revisits them, their love begins to fall apart. Elizabeth Banks will star in Walk of Shame, and it's about a reporter's dream of becoming a news anchor as it falls apart after a one-night stand, leaves her stranded in only eight hours to make it to a job interview of her life. 
That's it for upcoming new movies next on On Screen and Beyond. We're going to take a peek at what's coming your way as far as sequels down at Sequel City here on On Screen and Beyond. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Sequel City, well, Jack Reacher, which starred Tom Cruise, may get a sequel, even though it didn't do that well in the U.S. We'll see what happens with that when they're talking about making the sequel. And J.J. Abrams says there will be Klingons in the next installment of Star Trek called Star Trek Into the Darkness. And Harrison Ford has joined the cast of Anchorman, The Legend Continues. That is it for Sequel City. Next on On Screen and Beyond... We're going to take you down and find out what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD. TV on DVD, well, Pretty Little Liars Season 3 lies its way into stores on June 4th. And on June 11th, you can look for The Newsroom Season 1 as it hits Blu-ray and DVD. And Flashpoint Season 5 arrives on DVD on May 7th. That is it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going to take a peek at what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD. (laughs) Movies on DVD, well, here's something a little bit different. On April 30th, Texas Chainsaw arrives on digital download. Just digital download. Then on May 14th, it arrives on Blu-ray, DVD, and video on demand. So that's a little something different here. They're going to let it out first on digital download, see how it does. And the Kerry Russell, Caden Rocket film, Dark Skies, hit stores in June. And, of course, we had an interview with Caden Rocket a couple of weeks ago. So you might want to check that out right here at onscreenandbeyond.com and go to our rerun section. And, let's see, you can also get Identity Thief with Melissa McCarthy and Jason Bateman in June on DVD and Blu-ray. So be sure to check that one out. It's a funny movie. And that is it for Movies on DVD coming your way. And next on On Screen and Beyond, it is so exciting to have a comedic legend joining us. Carl Reiner is going to be here, and he's going to be talking about all sorts of stuff. He's got a new book out called I Remember Me. It's a great book. Be sure to check that out. And uh, he's next right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, my guest is an actor, director, writer, producer, and comedian who has won multiple Emmy Awards and a Grammy. He is the creator of the TV classic The Dick Van Dyke Show, in which he played Alan Brady. He wrote for and acted on the classic Your Show of Shows. He directed numerous films, including The Jerk, Oh God, and All of Me. He also acted in many films and TV shows, including It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, Oceans 11, 12, and 13, and Hot in Cleveland. 
He currently has a book out called I Remember Me. He's the comedic living legend, Carl Reiner. Carl, it is an honor to have you here with us on On Screen and Beyond. You left out one of my best things I do. What's that? Being interviewed on On Screen and Beyond. <laughs> That's my current thing. That's the newest thing I'm doing. <laughs> right. I've never done it before. I can't wait to do it. <laughs> well, well, Carl, like you said, it's such an honor to have you with us. And after reading your book and your story about how you kept Jose Ferreira on the phone by, now I'm going to quote you here, I did the one thing that will keep any actor from hanging up on anyone. I flattered him unmercifully and to within an inch of his life. And I hope I flattered you enough to keep you from hanging up on me. No, no. You, I, I was easy to get because I have a product I'm trying to sell, and, it, and I really feel it's the best thing I've done. In the, well, I think it's the best thing I've done to date. At least it's the last thing I've done. And I don't think I'm going to do any better than this than talking about it. Because if it's not the best thing I do, I've wasted my life. Because I remember me as a, is my whole life in, in a capsule form. I really enjoyed the book. It was so fun to read. and That's the reason I'm on your show, to hear a voice like yours. who don't, We don't know each other. I'm not paying you anything. Right. And you're saying all the things I want to hear. Yeah. Well, you know, when I was reading the book, there's two things that, when I finished the book, that I came through with. One, the first thing was you talked about your neighbors Jerry and Millie and New Rochelle while you were growing up, and it, I almost felt like I was in an episode of the Dick Van Dyke show. Did, did you use real experiences in a lot of your well, writing? The, the Dick Van Dyke show was, was a very thinly veiled uh, <laughs> uh, biography of my life. At that time, I was living in New Rochelle. I mean, I had just lived in I moved out to the coast to do the Dick Van Dyke mm -hmm. show. But up to that point, I had been living in New Rochelle, and the story of the Dick Van Dyke show is a guy living in New Rochelle going to work in New York on a variety show, and that's what, uh, that's what uh, Rob Petrie was about. Yeah. He lived in New Rochelle with a kid, and he right. came to work and talked about his home in New Rochelle, and at his home he talked about his work with Maury and uh, Rosie and Matt, uh, Sally and, uh, and Buddy. Mm -hmm. in, in fact, we had Rosemarie on the show a couple years ago. Yeah, now she's... She's still well and happy. And, yes. Uh, we uh, still talk to each other. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I noticed when I read the book, it was very much, and this is more on a serious side, it was really a, a love story about you and your wife. Well, that's the, but, uh, that's the core of the book, I think. I wouldn't be what I am if it weren't for the fact that when I was 20 years old, I met a woman who was 28 years old and gave me the time of day. I couldn't <laughs> believe it because she was... I, I've just said this before, and I really mean it. When they asked me about Estelle, I said, well, she did two things. She raised three wonderful children, and she raised one wonderful husband. <laughs> she really did. I mean, when I met her, she was sophisticated, knew about everything, art, politics, and everything I know about anything, I started to learn in, at her at her side. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had 65 years of, of a what I consider a, a, as good a marriage as you can get. Yeah. And my wife once was asked, she'd say, how do, you, how do you manage to stay married so long? And she said, marry someone who can stand you. <laughs> and I thought that was perfect. Because it's easy to marry for lust and love, but to marry someone whose little peccadilloes you can stand. Right. Well, you say, oh, forget it. You know, it's a small... 
small potatoes compared to the to the overall thing, which is the deep love you have for somebody. Yeah. Well, it really came through in the book. I, I, I mean, it's not something you you were slamming down everybody's throat, but but every story you had, I could feel that that love and affection in in the stories. Well, we had seventy sixty five years together, and uh, she's gone for about two years now, three years now, and uh, maybe it's four. My God, yeah, the years spent. And uh, I was walking around the block the other day, and I thought of something that that calmed me a lot. I, I do miss her every day. I, luckily, she was a wonderful jazz singer, and I have her records, yeah. her, uh, uh, CDs in my car. So anytime I drive, she's singing along with me. Yeah. I'm, I'm, she's at my side singing. And, uh, and I said to myself, you know, I said, I, Estelle is not gone. She's alive as long as I'm alive. Mm-hmm. She's alive within me. And that, when I thought of it in those terms, I was very calmed. I calmed myself. Mm-hmm. I said, she is alive. As long as I'm alive, she's alive. Yeah, yeah. It's a wonderful book. It, it really is. And, and people should definitely go out and, and get it because it's, uh, and, and it's, it, the way you broke it up, they're not long, long chapters. They're just little quick thoughts. And, and I like that. That was nice. Yeah, well, I'm, you know, in today's world where nobody has it, <laughs> the, the, the time to do anything but small increments. Right. It's a, I think it's a, the best toilet book you'll ever get. There's some <laughs> chapters that last two, three pages, four pages. I think the longest one is 10, 20 pages or something. But uh, it, it, is a, it is an excellent toilet book. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, I love the fact that there are, that every, every little story has a, either a it has a reason to be a raison d'etre. Mm-hmm. It's either funny, has a good punchline, or a surprise. And, and, and that tickles me more than anything. I can crack open the book and make anybody smile by reading out whatever's on that page. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a kick out of the story of when you were in France and you took your son and his oh. friend <laughs> to the beach. Saint-Tropez. Yes. Saint-Tropez. Yeah, that's one of my, my favorite stories, too. Uh, by the way, that young son now, Lucas Ryan, he was 16 then. He's now 51, and he's a very, very established and good artist. He's got wonderful shows. He's had the, uh, wonderful success in Italy, France, and uh, Germany, and and uh, Rome. And he's now he's hanging here in Beverly Hills. He's just an awfully good artist and a wonderful human being. I thought he was going to be a major league baseball play. He's one of those adept guys who can do anything. Mm-hmm. And so that uh, that story tickles me. Should I tell it in very quick? It's up to you. <laughs> well, you know, we, were in San, we were in France. We had a house in France at a place called Castellaras. We, uh, every summer for 15 years, my wife and I loved being in that little house. And Lucas came. Uh, he was When the kids got older, they didn't want to be with us. They wanted to spend time with their friends. But Lucas and his friend came one two summers. But this one summer, we were driving in the car and along the coast, and we come to a sign that says Central Bay down the down the uh, down the coast. And I said, let's go visit Central Bay. And we drove into Central Bay, got out of the car, and coming at us were two of the two women with the most beautiful breasts you have ever seen inside of the world. And they just walked past us, and none of us reacted, but we we knew that we was looking. Two 16-year-old kids whose hormones are raging. They didn't react at all. They just looked 
great aunt. We sat down. They went for a walk, and they came back a half hour later. And we, we, they were not very conversant about anything they seen. They were just generally quiet. And we got into the car and drove back home. It's about an hour drive. And we're trying to get them into conversation about the seaside, about the restaurants we're passing. It's just taciturn, quiet, quiet. And uh, we couldn't get them to talk at all. And at the very end of the ride, it's one hour is silence. The loud, quiet the quietness of the car was, you could you could hear the quiet. And from this quiet, this little voice, a very quiet voice, the voice of Lucas Reiner said these words, this has been the greatest day of my whole life. That's all. And my wife and I just cracked up. He spent the day looking at the breasts, and that was... To him, that was the best day of his life, and I never forgot how quiet he said it. No more comment after that before or after. <laughs> that, that was a funny story, that's for sure. <laughs> now, in my intro, I mentioned that you had multiple Emmy Awards, and the reason I said multiple Emmy Awards is because I looked at different places and during my research, and I found one said you had 12 Emmys, another one said you had nine Emmys, uh, another one said eight. How many 12. do you have? I have 12. 12, okay. Yes, I have Emmys for different categories. Well, I, in the, my first few years in the television, I got Emmys for being a supporting actor. When I was on the show of shows, I got two or three there. And then when I started writing the Van Dyke show... I got Emmys for produce, for writing uh, writing Emmys, and then uh, producing Emmys for the Van Dyke show. And then we did a revisited on the show of shows where we, we won an Emmy for the show being the best uh, variety show that year, and the writing got an award. And so uh, the awards were for multiple things, producing, writing, uh, mm -hmm. different shows. But there were 12 of those. 12, that's amazing. But the one that, that, I, that you didn't mention, which I'm very proud of, was the Mark. I got the third Mark Twain Prize. And that, that thrilled me because uh, Mark Twain is my favorite author. It's everybody's favorite author. He's America's favorite author. Mm -hmm. And so getting that prize was so meaningful to me. Mm -hmm. Wow. So when did you get that one? Uh, the third year, uh, 1980, I think, something like that. I think it was the third year. I forgot. I think Richie Pryor got it first, and I forgot who got this. Maybe Whoopi Goldberg. I'm not sure. And I think I was the third one. I, and if I remember, don't you mention something about Mark Twain in your in your book? You, I must have. I, I must have. Seems so. You did. Seems oh, so. I know one of the things that is. Uh, yeah, there was. Uh, I emceed Eisenhower's President Eisenhower's birthday ball, and the uh, the entertainers. Well, I was the MC's, uh, MC, and Hal Holbrook yes. playing Mark Twain yes. was one of the things. And the, the Lennon sisters sang, and Rudy Cardenas, the juggler juggled. And I talked about the fact that, that uh, President Eisenhower came backstage and was so nice to us. He, uh, he, was, he shook, shook our hands and was very nice. And we were very deferential to, to meeting the president. But the strange thing about that whole meeting is that Hal Holbrook, who not only embodied Mark Twain, but became Mark Twain. Mm. He never lost character. And backstage, he stayed Mark Twain. He didn't become Hal Holbrook. He just looked and found it, and he just stood there. And when Eisenhower came over to him, instead of Mark Twain deferring to 
to uh, Eisenhower. Eisenhower deferred to him. He actually bowed to Mark Twain, and his whole demeanor changed. And I said, my God, there is a, there's an artist. That man, uh, Hal Holbrook, and, and became Mark Twain. Wow. And it was, it was, that was one of the most, and my right hand, the five things in my life thrilled me when I saw him for the first time, seeing my fair lady for the first time, Arthur Miller's uh, play, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and, and this, and then uh, seeing Hal Holbrook do Mark Twain at the Manhattan Theater in New York, in a small theater, taking my 11 and 8 year old children to see it. Well, it was magical, just magical. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, you've written many books in the past, children's books, memoirs. What made you decide to do another memoir? Well, when you get to be my age and you've written a memoir, which I decided a while ago I wasn't going to do a memoir. I would do stories I call them my my anecdotal life. Mm -hmm. And I told some funny stories about what had happened on the way to where I was then. And I realized that I had left out so many stories that... I have told to people, and they, they all love them. And I said, I might as well put them all down. I'm going. I'm going to be 91. And I, I said, I might as well. I have family who, who all enjoyed the fact that they heard stories that I had never told anybody, but they were in my head. And so uh, it's a sort of a legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, everybody wants to leave something behind. They want to be remembered for something. And, and I figured this is a little bit of a legacy for my family. I was here, you know, I planted a flag, and here I am, and this is what I did, and uh, and I, I I feel that way about what my knowing my father's history and uh, being very proud of what he did in his life, and my kids have all said to me that, you know, they were mm-hmm. proud of their dad, and I love that. Yeah. Now, in the book, you also mention a lot about being friends with a lot of different people, of course, but Mel Brooks comes up an awful lot of times. Yeah, there were about four or five little stories about Mel Brooks. Well, Mel Brooks is 65 years, six, over 60 years we've been buddies. He comes over every night. We see him. We see each other maybe five, six, seven nights a week sometimes. Wow. And uh, he's coming over tonight for dinner, as a matter of fact. And uh, we watch television. We laugh. We talk. We reminisce. We discuss the world. And that's one of the things. And our, our wives were very good friends. And both having lost our wives, we... We have that in common, and uh, you know, and we can talk about that if we have a need to reminisce. We we know who where of we're speaking. Yeah, yeah. Now, in the book, you mentioned one thing about Mel Brooks. One time, you were in a room and there was no place to sit, so he took a chair and he sat in the fireplace. Did, did he do a lot of things oh, like that? That was that was him when we were in Castle Ross. We had a, a beautifully sculpted fireplace. It was sort of like a a free-form fireplace, a white fireplace. And it was a small living room. We had more people in there than we usually have, about six or eight people. And everybody sat on the little banquette. And then there was no seat for Mel to sit on. So he took a chair, 
and put it in the fireplace, took a drink, and sat in the fireplace with his head disappearing up the flue, but he would see the drink in his hand, and every once in a while the drink would disappear up the fireplace, he'd be drinking. And the conversation would continue. He knew it was funny, and we knew it was funny, and we were laughing. He had a sandwich up there, too. He, we had a little hors d'oeuvres. He took it. We handed him into the fireplace. A hand came down. Well, that was just Mel being quietly funny. <laughs> we, we let him out of the fireplace and found a stool for him later. <laughs> now, is that typical when, when the, the two of you get together over the years? Is things like that happen? Do you always try to make each other laugh? Well, it, we just, it was just a natural thing. I think when you're with naturally funny people, they do naturally funny things. They don't really try. They just cannot stop themselves. It's their natural bent. They have a, they have a bent. There's no question about it. They, uh, it it's in, it's born into you. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's, uh, it, it starts very early. It's usually uh, uh, there is a gene, a fun gene, but mainly it's being born into a family that has that as a, a, a thing that they like to do together. My father and mother love to go to comedy movies and listen to the comedy shows on radio. So it stays with you. It becomes part of you. You learn to walk like your dad. And you learn to become interested in the things they become interested in. Yeah. Now, when the the two of you get together now, like you were saying, and you watch TV and things like that, you're two of the greatest comedy people still alive. And when you watch TV, do you feel that it's different now, the comedy that's on TV? Than well, everything that is, everything is different. Every generation, every generation's comedian reflects what. Generation they're in, they reflect on the times they're in, the mores of the times. They comment on them. So things are different than they were. Everything is accelerated now. Everything's faster. As a matter of fact, the 28-minute situation comedy, 28 and a half minutes, is now down to 20 minutes. Mm. On on cable, you can see a longer show, but on the network shows, they 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 deregulated. Mr. Reagan did that for deregulated the airwaves so that as many commercials can get in as as the sponsors want, as a, make more money for the for the networks, but not more entertainment for the people. You can see more ads if you like ads. Yeah, you can learn about uh, erectile, erectile dysfunction. <laughs> and, you know, you can learn a lot of things from the ads. <laughs> I'm surprised there's no and network. What, what ads I really like are the ads that give you the new drugs. They tell you how good they are for you, and then for 10 minutes they tell you it can also kill you. Right. If you die, you will lose your sight, your hair, your, you can walk in, you can't. However, you know, check with your doctor, but take it anyway. Right. <laughs> it kind of makes you wonder, you know. <laughs> when you and Mel made The 2,000-Year-Old Man, how did that come about? Was it, Were you just sitting around one day throwing things around? I, I remember exactly the moment it happened because I was in the office of the show of shows. I had never met Mel. It was my first day there, and Mel was working for Sid. He wasn't a, a member of the staff yet. He, he, he used to sell Sid little jokes here and there. He was a friend of Sid's. And he got up one day, this first day in the office, I didn't know who he was, and he did a, a Jewish pirate who was complaining about the, the high price of sailcloth. He said, I can't set sail anymore, $3.25 for a yard. I can't afford to pillage and rape anymore. That was the first lines I heard from this man. Who was this man? But the next half hour, he had us roaring with laughter. And any time there was a lull in the office, he would get up. We went to parties, and people just, he was just a funny guy. So 
the very following day I came in, I had seen a thing called We the People Speak, a recreation of the news that was on Sunday, and I tried to influence, interest them in doing a sketch about it, but it didn't work, and instead I turned to Mel and I said, here's a man actually at the scene of the crucifixion 2,000 years ago, and Mel said, oh boy, and that was the first line, the 2,000-year-old man. That started it all. And I said, you knew Christ? Oh yeah, thin ladder, right? I remember those words. He walked around with 12 other guys. Never, They came into the store, never bought anything. They always asked for water at a candy store. Anyway, those were the first lines. And then for the next 10 years, we did it in the office when we needed to laugh. We did it at parties. Never thought of ever doing something commercial with it because we said it was four or five years after the war and the, the European Jewish accent was... Uh, the Jews had taken enough guff from the the uh, anti-Semites, we didn't want to give them any more. So we only did it for friends mm -hmm. and for non-anti-Semitic Christians. <laughs> and, but it's finally, after 10 years, it was Steve Allen at a party. said, so you've got to put this on tape, fellas, on record. And we did finally make a record after 10 years of doing it at parties and, and dinners and whatever uh, command performances. People would insist we get up. Mm -hmm. And then you win a Grammy with it. <laughs> yeah, and then we won a Grammy with it. Yeah, finding out that it was for everybody was very funny because Cary Grant was my neighbor at Universal. I was doing movies then at Universal. I wrote a few movies, and he was my neighbor at another bungalow. And I handed him one of the first 2,000-year-old man records. And the next day he came back, and he said, come on, you have a dozen. He said, I said, what are you doing? What do you need to do? He says, I'm going to England. I said, you want to take these to England? Yeah, he says, they speak English there. And he took it to England. He came back, and he says, she loved it. I said, who? She's the queen mother. I said, you took this to Buckingham Palace. He said, yes. And I said, Mel, the biggest Gentile woman in the world, the Shiksa, loved it. We're, in, we're home free. <laughs> no, but I, I do remember that. At the very beginning, we got a, an okay from the queen of England. Wow. And anyway, that was a, a memorable moment. Now, with the 2,000-year-old man, was it scripted where you wrote things out? No, no. The 2,000-year-old man was totally ad-lib. I never knew what questions I was going to ask. Wow. Whatever popped into my head, I knew whatever I asked him. The harder the question, the, the, the better he was. Trapping a genius mind is nothing better than trapping a genius mind because they'll look in their, in their head and they'll find a way to get out. And even if they fail twice trying to get out, they'll find a way like a trapeze artist, you know, they, when they finally get it. No, we, 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 we wailed for many, many years, and I never repeat. If I gave him the same question, like I asked him, who, is, who were you married to? He'd give me a different wife. <laughs> when I asked him why, what was special about her, he'd give me a different reason. Wow. So even if the question sometimes, I couldn't find a new question, I'd get new answers for all questions. But for years, we just... And we didn't always do a 2,000-year-old man. We, I made him anything. I made him psychiatrist. I made him submarine captains. I made him whatever I said he was, he became. Mm -hmm. And I just said, here we are in the bowels of a submarine. He immediately became a submarine captain. Jeez. Boy, just, just to be so quick and to be able to do that just amazes me. <laughs> that was talking writing. We were still doing writing, but it was talking writing. Yeah. Creating as you uh, talk. And writing is putting it down on paper, but the same thing that occurs in your head, putting it on the paper. When you were on the classic, your show of shows, and you're writing together, 
the people who were writing for that, if you name them off, it's it's oh like oh my god, that was uh, that was my college. I was uh, a comedian when I got there. I mean, I had to, my act that I worked for myself, but to learn how to write sketches, to have that, I just I talked about being my college. That was uh, sitting in that room was. Uh, was Mel Brooks, Larry Gelbart, mm-hmm. Neil Simon, uh, and Mel Tolkien, uh, all guys who had gone out to, to you know, to, to do big things mm-hmm. in, in, in theater, and, and Joe Stein, who wrote Fiddle on the Roof, uh, and, um, and Enter Laughing, too. He, he adopted my, my book into a Broadway show. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, so these guys, sitting and, and listening to how... Uh, a script is devised, or a sketch is devised, was my 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 college education. Doing that no. must have been. I can just picture all of you together and and just constantly laughing. It's amazing well, you got yeah, anything done. Being in a room with Larry Gelbart and hearing a genius mind at work. I mean, he, this man could not. He didn't even need a straight line to get a joke. You give him one word, he could turn it around and make a punchline out of it. any word almost. He was he was phenomenal. You've done a lot of writing yourself uh, on for films and things like that, and you've directed a lot of films. Let's take for example with Steve Martin. You've done a lot with Steve Martin. Yeah, I've done four films with him, starting with The Jerk, Man with Two Brains, uh, uh, All of Me, and Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they were all labors of love. I never had a better time in my life. And you know it. You know it's working when you want to work with the same guy again. We knew the. The product would be good, and the and making of the product would be very comfortable and rewarding. We had a wonderful time together. We're still friends. Now, was it planned that you were going to do more, or did uh, did you do one no, movie no, and then it just well, came we, about? We did the jerk together. When the jerk made a hundred million dollars, the, the the big studio said, "What do we got? What do you got first next?" So we did Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid next, and that's worked too. And then we did the uh, the Man with Two Brains. Almost worked. That was our favorite movie, but that didn't make the kind of splash. And then the third one was um, uh, All of Me, which did very well. So the four pictures were were all all well received by by uh, by us and by the audience. Yeah. Well, in fact, uh, of those, I loved all those movies. I thought All of Me was a riot, and The Jerk, of course, that that was funny. Uh, but The Man with Two Brains is actually on my phone. <laughs> I keep it there, and when I'm on a plane, I'll, I'll watch that movie. You know, funny, it's, it's like the, uh, the adopted child, but I have a guy who was doing some, some neck massaging on my, and he started to quote, and I said, what are you doing? He says, well, I, I have a bunch of guys, we have to watch films together, and, and the man with two brains is our favorite film, and we're committed to memory. He's like, I can remember, say every line from the film beginning. <laughs> And he, he was halfway through the film. I said, I believe you, I believe you. But that, I love when you have that kind of, this kind of sycophants. Yeah. Well, really, yeah, it proves you might, you might have done something that tickled somebody. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and the the, the jerk, um, we actually had Kyle Gottlieb on the show uh, about a year ago. Gottlieb, yes. He was the, yeah, he he and Steve wrote the original script. Yeah. To, uh, or, uh, yes, he and Mike Elias wrote the original script to, yeah, jerk. Yeah, they were wonderful friends. Yeah, how did you get involved with the uh, the Ocean's Eleven, Twelve, and Thirteen films? Uh, somebody just asked me. He said we need an older guy, and you must be the guy. That was one of the best things that happened to me at this age because uh, now 
young kids would not know who I was if, if they hadn't seen. As a matter of fact, the the uh, the, the, the um, Dick Van Dyke show is now packaged in a, a Blu-ray set, and kids are watching. Mm-hmm. I'm amazed at how much uh, how much the kids enjoy that show. But uh, uh, Jerry Weintraub called me and asked me to do it, and I was saying I was happy to be in it because uh, now. Younger people say, "Oh, we know who you are." They might not have known who I was. When I write a book like uh, this, I remember me now. I can also say he was the guy in Ocean's Eleven. He's written a book. If I say I'm the guy in Dick Van Dyke, they might not know me. The younger people. Yeah. Well, some people remember you from uh, your appearance on Two and a Half Men, also. Oh yeah, well, only did one of those. Yeah, and but maybe it, I did two of them. I'm not sure. Yeah, it, it, it was memorable though. <laughs> yeah, but I, uh, yes, I. Did a couple of those. I did a couple on Hot in Cleveland. Oh yeah. But mainly now I'm sitting at my computer. That's where I am. Getting away from the book and all your career, what are your favorite TV shows of all time, and what's your favorite movies of all time? Well, my favorite movie of all time—that's hard to say. Uh, but I was just watching one of the favorites last night. Big Deal on Madonna Street, a very old Italian movie done by Monticelli, Mario Monticelli. And it was so perfect. It was such a perfect little comedy. Uh, but there have been so many great movies and so many. It's hard to pick out a, a you know, a favorite. Uh, that you, but a lot of, this last year, I was a big proselytizer for people to go see Searching for Sugarman. I just adored that movie. Mm-hmm. I really adored it. And I sent more people to see it. And everybody went to see it said the same thing. Thank you. Thank you for sending me. That's the best. By the way, that's... I realized who I am. I'm a master of ceremonies. I always have been. I mean, I've done dozens and dozens and hundreds of, of benefits where I'm a master of ceremonies. I get a great kick out of introducing people. They get up and do a great job, and they smile because I introduce them. I get a little credit for having pointed to them. Well, having pointed to Searching for Sugarman has given me more pleasure than I can imagine. Yeah. You can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Carl, I, I, I just can't say how much I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us here. I want everybody you know, to go out. You know what I appreciate? I appreciate that you really read my book. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's why I'm on the air right now, because that is my favorite thing I've done, and I want to get it in people's hands, because that's the only way I can entertain them now. I can't go on television. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Carl Reiner, can you believe it? Right here at On Screen and Beyond, a living comic legend. And we appreciate it that he took the time to talk to us here at On Screen and Beyond. And so fun to talk to him. He's got so many stories. And if you want to hear more stories, be sure to pick up his book, I Remember Me. It's a great book, and it's a lot of fun. It's not a hard read or anything like that. It's just got some stories that just go on and on, and uh, it's just, just so much fun. Be sure to check that one out. We got a link right at On Screen and Beyond. Go to our Book Nook page, and we got a link right there. You can click, and it'll take you right to it, and you can get it, get it for a good price and everything else. So that is it. Oh, boy. Carl Reiner, great guy. Uh, just I, I, I loved his movie, all of me just that one just cracked me up and as i told him in the interview uh the man with two brains i actually have on my ipod and on my iphone and uh it's uh, just something that you know when i'm on a flight somewhere on a plane or something and i just want to relax and and take my mind off things i just turn around and watch the movie it's a lot of fun movie so if you ever get a chance to check it out and you haven't seen it 
be sure to watch it. Uh, if you haven't, um, you know, watch it. It's, it's just a, a crazy movie. So enjoy it a lot. That is it. If you are on Facebook, be sure to like us. If you're on iTunes and you're downloading this, be sure to leave us a review. You can just do that right there. I go to on screen and be on on iTunes and, you know, put up a review for us. We'd appreciate that. Help get the word out about on screen and beyond. If you have a suggestion for a guest, just go ahead and email it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. And I will be sure to read it, and I will get back to you, too. I appreciate that every time anybody writes me. Uh, This week, I I found that uh, we had, uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember the country, um, but uh, I didn't even know where it was. (laughs) There's, um, oh, I wish I could remember. It was uh, began with an M anyways. And so I did a search to find out where it was, and it was off the coast of Africa. Okay, so I didn't even know where this was, and there's uh, somebody who is listening out there, and I want to say hi, and I hope you're going to keep listening to On Screen and Beyond. No matter where you are in the world, I want to thank you for listening to us, and I appreciate it very much. And like I said, I love hearing from you through your emails, and uh, you can do that at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. So that is it. That is a wrap for this week of On Screen and Beyond. Until next week, when we once again take you on screen... And beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care.